Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com proceed with caution all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. Well, we had a little we had a little pre chatter here, but uh, yes, yes, I have seen what the Russian news is talking about America and how fucking ridiculous we are that we will. Choose a what? What were the words that they use on the one talk show? A black lesbian basketball player who got herself in trouble over a war hero. Yeah, why don't you explain explain to everybody in case they don't in case they don't know what we're talking about? What happened there? So Brittany Griner is a WNBA player. She's a a lesbian. She's black, female, obviously, and she was caught uh, going through security there. Uh, with, I don't know what the amount was, but it was just a... It was a vape pen. It was a vape pen? Yeah, it was a pot vape pen, or a hash vape pen. Yeah, so she had a little bit of whatever, whatever grams of hashish she had on her, but she ended up uh, yeah, going through trial and, boom, getting sentenced to, I believe it was nine years in Russian prison. And Which, let's be realistic, knowing 
knowing everything about her, this was likely calculated. Likely calculated to get an American citizen to trade for somebody, right? Like chestnut checkers. Right. I mean, you think, though? Yeah. Nine years for pot? Oh, I mean, after she was caught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After she was caught. No, I'm not saying yes. No, it's like, you you know, no, I'm maybe. No, I guarantee that not not she wasn't caught because of it, but she was caught and somebody was like, "Ooh, we got this. This is what we can do with it. Yeah. And then. the. So what happened recently, then I think there was a lot of pressure on the administration to get her out. And that's eventually what happened is basically they. traded for weapons or basically a it's not a small arms dealer i mean this guy was basically uh um dealing sams to the terrorists so sam surface to air missiles so intelligently russian officials gave us a choice right yes they They gave us a choice because there was a uh paul whelan is a marine that's been incarcerated there since 2018 Obviously, they're saying that, you know, there was some espionage is what he was put in prison for. But, you know, he's a, he's a white male, heterosexual. Uh, I'm not sure if he's got a family here or not. But, but I think his health is in decline, so it was pretty imperative to get, get him in. So, um, yeah, they opted for, uh, I call him Weiner, but Griner, over Paul. She was showing her displeasure. So, so yeah. So now, so now the the Russian news is is having its heyday with talking about how Americans are so ridiculously bought into this um, this woke culture, this woke culture that we would rather trade a, a an American, you know, ho- I guess not a hostage. That's not really the right word, but a prisoner. prisoner yeah. Um, for 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 her rather than a war hero correct and that's um how they put it is is this is a representation of how our what the values of our society are and i I don't blame them because if you're a sovereign nation looking outside in and this is what I, i don't understand what a lot of progressive and liberal thinking just won't do is sometimes you have to step outside of yourself and look at our nation, at our society, look at, self-reflect at our own behaviors and how that looks to a sovereign nation that basically wants, you know, to expand their borders, right? And this looks pathetic. It looks weak. And that's not a good, I guess, uh, optic as far as national security is concerned. I mean, not even just national security, just the, just uh, the strength of a nation as far as um, expanding our value system throughout the world. If you are China or you're Russia or you're any of the Islamic countries, I mean, you're basically, you're trying to convince your people every day that our way is not the right way. And stuff like this, it just, it tees it up for you. It basically yeah. makes it like, oh yeah, see, Americans are foolish. You don't want to be American. You don't want to be Americanized. You don't want to be Westernized. Americans are foolish versus the actual like underlying value structure where like women are treated equally and the government doesn't get to tell you exactly what to do at every moment of your life. And you don't have a social credit system and all of these different things that we all look at and go, oh, this is why America is great. Well, 
this is just like this giant, you know, glaring optic to the rest of the world. Like, is it, is America that great? Are you guys great? Or are you guys foolish and just completely, you know, blind to your own faults, blind to your own, I guess, idiocracy, right? Yeah. That movie is on Hulu. So I'm going to have to go back and watch that again. God, I love that movie. President Terry Crews. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to put that on as a background today. I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, the if you guys are if you guys are gun people, which I know a lot of you guys that that listen to this podcast are definitely gun people. The uh, the pistol brace rule has gotten put on Biden's desk to get approved. So if you guys don't, huh? Yeah. So if you don't know what that is, um, basically pistol braces on an AR-15 is a is a brace mechanism that makes it so you can shoot an air pistol more accurately, whether it be a strap style brace where it straps to your forearm or a blade style brace where you kind of pressurize the blade against your forearm. Now, these things were originally, uh, they were originally legal and then they were illegal. They kind of, they put out, cause the way the ATF works is there, there's a law and then there's a way that they, that they, uh, What's the word? Where a way that they that they look at the law, a way that they um, fuck. What's the word I'm looking for? Way they look at the law. I'm talking about review, interpret how they interpret the law. So they'll put out a, a a letter, basically a letter of intent, onto how they interpret the law. And um, they originally interpreted the law to say that these things are 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 illegal to fire from a shoulder. Point. So if you were like, I guess, caught firing an AR-15 pistol from your shoulder, it would be considered illegal. I don't know how the hell you get caught doing that, but it's weird, right? And then, and then the ATF uh, changed that, and they issued a letter basically saying that these things are illegal. They are pistols. Um, you can fire them however you deem fit. And then recently, this has kind of become almost like a piecemeal, like an, an initial like chomp that the ATF is trying to do towards, towards, you know, second amendment loving gun owners. And they're looking to re reinterpret the law as to any gun with a pistol brace, any AR platform assault weapon with a pistol brace will now have this convoluted worksheet that you have to go through and check off. Like, does it have this? Does it weigh this much? Is it this long of a barrel? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? And basically any AR-15 style rifle with a pistol brace and a short enough barrel to be considered a pistol will now be considered an SBR. An SBR is a short barrel rifle and um, has totally different legalities behind it. So it is similarly um, looked at as like suppressors and stuff like that, where you have to have a tax stamp for it. It has to be registered. Um, everything that you do with it will then be registered. It's not something that I can just sell you versus in most states right now. Like I can just sell you a regular, you know, one of my regular guns from my collection yeah. if you want to buy it. So does that uh, count on inheritance too? Um, yes. So you would actually have to physically... Um, if you wanted to give, so I'm going to use suppressors as an example, because this, they have not in, changed the interpretation yet. It apparently it's supposed to go through like April, May of next year, but right now is when they're f- doing the final, like signing of it. Yeah. Um, so let's use suppressors as an example. Let's say you have your tax stamp, you have a suppressor, um, that is yours. 
whether you own the trust or not, it is if it is a single owner owner trust that is always yours. It needs to be on your person or with a, a registered FFL in their person. Um, if you pass the 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 suppressor can physically get handed to your your son, but he does not legally own it until the paperwork is filed for him to um, take ownership of it. Uh, I think that's a gray area. I don't even know if it's really legal for him to have it until then, but it's not like something where he's going to get arrested for having it if he's got the paperwork filed. Um, Now, what 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 if it's not registered at all? Well, then then you're fine. Um, (laughs) I I did see a I saw a a quote the other day that said. uh, If if uh, if if a fine fine for having something means it's legal for a price. <laughs> if there's a fine for having something, <laughs> yeah. that means it's legal for a price. Um, but so what you can do, and this this is a, a, a little bit different, is you can have a, a multi-owner trust where it could be you um, and all your kids are on this trust. And then if anything ever happens or if any of them want to use it, they are a owner, a partial owner of the trust that owns that specific nfa item um and then they can use it they can have it it could get passed down to them easily yeah um, but each person gets a background check and gets put on the trust and then the trust is actually what owns the 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 firearm or the the suppressor now yeah. what their what their plan is is to make all of these f- seven million uh pistol ars sbrs short barrel rifle now you would not. They're going to waive the initial two hundred dollar tax stamp. Let me stop you for a second. Yep. So what's defined as short barrel? Sixteen under. Um. It is overall length of weapon. Overall length. Overall length of hmm. weapon at shortest functional ability. I believe. Don't if that if that's not one hundred percent right. Don't fucking jump down my throat. But it's something to do with that. So if you have a shorter barrel. You can legally, like, you can have a a, a barrel um, appendage, you know, a, a, some sort of a flash guard or something like that. You can have yeah. that welded on, and if it's permanent, it is considered part of the barrel, and it could take you up over a legal limit to be a to be a full length rifle. So, if you have one of these AR pistols, you can you can change the barrel and put a longer barrel on it and make it over the length, and then you won't have to register it as an SBR. But if it is a you know a pistol length barrel and a and a pistol brace, you are going to legally supposed to be registering this as an SBR. Give them your social security number. Go through the full background check. No. Um, they'll have the serial. They'll have the serial number of the rifle. They'll have all this stuff. And then it it is it, it's going to be you know uh, looked at as all other NFA items, machine guns, suppressors. Now, I did hear that Texas just passed an awesome-ass law, whereas if a suppressor is made in Texas and it stays in Texas, you do not, there's no national firearms laws that go over it, and you can own that in Texas just by just buying it like a normal, a normal gun. Really? Yep. As long oh. as you don't try to take it out of the state of Texas. Gosh, Texas is looking really damn good right now. Dude, Texas is looking better and better every day. Wow. But so that's, so that's something to keep an eye out because I, I I have two of them. I think, I mean, I don't, they fell, I I lost them last year in a freak boating accident, but I had two of them. Um, and I think a lot of people have them. So it's something to to keep in mind. Yeah. 
Wow. 300 blackout is, that'd be considered SBR, right? Uh, depends on what the length is. It doesn't, it doesn't go off caliber. It only goes off of your overall length. Um, my one that I had was a, was a pistol. Um, so that would be considered a, a short barrel rifle. Yeah. Now, another thing to think about is, is, is depending on when you guys bought them and how you bought them, it will depend on what the NFA, um, what the federal government actually knows about that gun. So if you bought it as a pistol and when you filled out that, that form for the background check, yeah. if they checked pistol and uh, there's two different sections where you check pistol, then the government, the federal government knows you have that gun. So likely it is going to come up at some point in time that that needs to be registered, destroyed, or changed. Um, if you bought a lower and then built it, then it would be checked off as an other. So then it's a lot less likely that the federal government knows you have that gun because it was registered as an other, not registered as a pistol. Hmm. Crazy. So totally depends on how the paperwork was filed as to whether the, you're, you know, they have, they've made a database. They say that they've not, they, they, they weren't going to make a database. The background checks were never about a database. They have a database now. Yeah. For the last, I think, 10 years, every background check um, that's been done, they have the database of that paperwork. I believe it. I believe they probably had one all along, but you know, and it's just, you know, the biggest thing that we're seeing now that most people don't understand is, um, it is a mountain of data, which we talked about this in the artificial intelligence podcast. Mm -hmm. Everything is a mountain of data that if you had to actually sift through on your own or even write code to sift through, yeah. That would be impossible or nearly impossible. Whereas what artificial intelligence is doing now is it is becoming the, the code that sifts through all this stuff. So it can actually go through and find, you know, so in every, every, you know, so paperwork from so-and-so that's gotten filed in the last 10 years or whatever. Yeah. So that's what, that's what we're really seeing with, with the kind of pop up of these supercomputers and artificial intelligence and stuff like that is, is all of a sudden data that would never have been functional in the past. Yeah, we had it, but it wasn't functional is now becoming functional, which that a lot of that stuff kind of came out in the, in the Snowden, a lot of the Snowden stuff. And I don't know what you guys think about Snowden, but the fact that he told us about a lot of this secretive shit that our government was doing, I understand that a lot of the military guys, it, it, it pisses them off because it, it could have put people at risk, but if it relates to OPSEC, but sure, but there's some it, other shit that it is. I I look at him as a patriot. Like he was at the core. He wanted everyone to know the fucked up stuff that their government was doing to them. And that's where a lot yeah. of this kind of data mining and all these ideas of these giant data facilities where they're keeping all of these all of these metrics or metadata they call it. Um. Well, and 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 during the Obama administration, he's like, you know, it's it it, it what we're keeping is not. It's not functional data. It's just metadata. Well, yeah, then, then it was just metadata. Now we have artificial intelligence programs that can go through and, and functionalize all of this metadata. And in five to 10 years from now, we're going to have that much exponentially better computer intelligence that they're going to have eventually an entire workup on every single individual and every single human. I mean, I've seen this this bot that you can actually get to, I think from Instagram or from Twitter, you can get to this bot and you can upload a photo 
on social media and this bot, this, this AI bot will find when you took that photo and it will, it will send you the video from open source closed uh, CCTV cameras and it will send you the video of you taking that photo. Jeez, that's scary. How fucking scary is that? Well, yeah, and metadata started out as, I mean, the best way to get your websites on the search engines. Yeah. Now it's... Well, and I really, mean, metadata data. just means, metadata, you know, the definition of metadata really just means, you know, partial data, I believe, is what is what it would be. Yeah, it's it's basically like keywords that are hidden underneath the surface. Yeah, um, yeah if you ever want to get into what, see what meta, metadata is sitting behind a website, just basically right-click and go view page source, and you'll see probably in the first, uh, you know, 100 or less lines, all the metadata on that website. So. What did I see? Uh, the other thing I saw, and then we'll have to probably actually get into the meat of this podcast because it'll probably be a long one. But um, the Senate, I believe, is threatening a um, what do you call that? Where you look for money, like in a, audit. a an audit of the twenty billion dollars we've sent to Ukraine. Oh. And now everyone is scrambling as to where <laughs> this money actually went. Well, I mean, that that's the plus of what had happened during the uh, midterms. I mean, even though it wasn't a complete, you know, sweep, blowout, or whatever they want to call it, um, having control of the Senate means also now you have checks and balances. So now they're able to go back and start saying, okay, hey, you can't start keep spending all this money without some type of justification, right? And, you know, even stuff like going into Hunter Biden's laptop, which I don't know. I, I think the media is just going to, you know, mute that. So, um, but yeah, I think it, it's a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing whether you're left or right. It's you have to have that's what the two party system was originally created for. Exactly. Um, yeah, the only thing that I got here is the, you know, last week I saw a quote from uh the president of El Salvador. Yeah, I don't want to butcher his last name, so I think it's, his first name is Naib. I think his last name is Bukele. Okay. I don't know how El Salvadorians. I probably butchered that completely, but you know, his quote was: "The most powerful country in the world is falling so fast that it makes you rethink what are the real reasons, because something so big and powerful can't be destroyed so quickly unless the enemy comes from within." I think that's something people need to digest. I think that hit, I think a really good analogy for that quote, I think you're right. I think the enemy, but I don't think it's one enemy. It's many, many enemies. And I think it's similar to like, have you ever like, have you ever, you don't because you cook, but Somebody that cooks meat and then like throws the seasoning on last minute and then puts it on your plate, right? Like it's seasoned, but it's just kind of there, yeah. right? It's like a fast, a little, a little flash season and it's just, it's not in it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not in the meat. Yeah. It's, and that's what like, happened to like America. That's what happened to America. We grew so fast and blew up so fast. We basically went from being 
really, really average pre-World War II to being the world superpower by 1960, right? Yeah. So in 40, 50 years, 50, 60, uh, 60 years, I guess. And this 60 year fucking arch has gone from like no to top to now collapsing versus when you like simmer something in seasoning all fucking day and you go to eat it. And that is like the depths of, ever, of the flavors are in the food. The flavors are yeah. in the meat. That's an old, old power. That has grown from hundreds of years of development and and rise and fall and rise and fall and and gain and learning lessons and falling from these you know learning from your falls and we I I, I do think that there's a really good chance we'll be there generations do, from huh? now oh, yeah. generations from now well I because think- I think that we'll I think that we're gonna lose. Right. It's this it's this fluctuation and we're going to lose our superpower status to the China, Russia, Iran fucking group that we that we, you know, not right now look at as all not a big deal. They will be a big deal. Um, I mean, it's that meme cycle, right? Yeah. You know, good times make, you know, weak men. Exactly. And, you know, weak men make bad times. Bad times create strong men. And we're in the you are here spot of guess what? You know. Good times make weak men, and that's what you're seeing. And if you look at it in some of its most basic forms, you get get yourself out of the emotionalness of it, get yourselves out of the wokeness of it, get yourselves completely just back off the 10,000-foot view. What is our, what are our biggest strengths as far as it comes to resources, right? So the reason places like Iran and Saudi Arabia are all so powerful is because of oil. Right? Like that is their resource. That's their main resource. Um, Our resource has always been like our agility, our size, because we do have a huge landmass and we're able to put all of our, we don't have a ton of natural resources, but we can put them together to make some pretty awesome shit. That was what happened in World War II. Right? And then our, our, our innovation and our ingenuity. And just kind of that American spirit. That's kind of always been our biggest really thing. Like we can take shit that they make elsewhere yeah. and put it together and make something amazing. Yeah. I mean, that's the, everything that's happened in the U S has been a, a product of having capitalism and freedom of the people. And, you know, we're in such, we're, we're such a, a good situation that people are complaining about this. And really don't understand socialism don't or communism, basically, and leaning towards that way and wanting that to happen here. And but, I think, I think that that's that's the good that's the hard men make good times. In the good times, you don't. It's it's really hard, and you have to be fairly intelligent to be able to look and go. That is what made these good times. And yeah. face it, you and I are out and around people a lot of a lot of the day. People just aren't that fucking smart. I'm sorry. They're not. No. So I think we talked about this a couple podcasts ago. I mean, is the question, are people not getting smarter or we're just getting older? No, I think that we've completely lost. Um, we're, we're, losing, we're losing our people as our resource. We're losing the fight. 
we're losing the fight and the competitiveness in our generation after generation. We are losing the intelligence. We are losing and and this is so this is my next question after the natural resource thing. What will be the resources of tomorrow? What will that be? It's going to be yeah. lithium because of batteries unless we come up with a new amazing way to make batteries which we we don't yet. Yeah. It's going to be lithium. It's going to be information which we have a lot of like we are definitely we're we're primed for that to be a resource right and and then we're developing all these different ways to capitalize on that information just like i was just talking about like they're doing to us yeah we're doing that to the world right um and i don't know what else is going to be the the resources of the future i mean we're always going to need power of some sort we're racing for nuclear fusion are we everybody is but that's a world thing that's not an american thing i mean we could have such an accelerated step towards nuclear fusion but we're too busy playing green no so that so 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 i just i finished a, a giant um a big book on nuclear fusion and the entire world is working together towards that because everyone it's almost like well france is already there no, they're not. Nobody's there. Nobody has nuclear fusion. Nuclear fission, you're thinking of. Fission is not, a, it's not as efficient. It's dirtier. Everybody has nuclear fission. Um, France has gone back to it because they saw how un... Um, still cleaner and electric. It, it is. Because people here look at electric as... Tesla electric chargers and oh, I'm being oh, green. So you're saying you're but saying it's cleaner, than, it's cleaner than coal. It's cleaner it. than coal. Yeah, it's more it's more they efficient than wind. Yes, it's more wind. It's more efficient than wind. Um, the funny thing is, is like whether you're talking about coal or whether you're talking about nuclear, it's the same. It's the same energy production. It's literally just heat making steam and steam turning a turbine. Yeah, it's the same thing. Um, natural gas, same thing. But so what happened is, is France tried to go hard away from nuclear and they learned that for one all these other um green energies are inefficient so they've leaned back hard into nuclear but this is nuclear fission so this is taking one atom and splitting that atom and that creating a massive amount of power that we then can harness the problem with nuclear fission is once it happens it recreates like a snowball And we don't have the necessary abilities to just turn it off if there's a problem. We can't just say, oh, fuck, turn it off. Oh, it's a stability issue. It's a stability, and it's it's wasteful. There's a lot of waste that comes in in it with um, cooling it and all this other shit. Nuclear fusion is where we ram two atoms so hard together that they create one single atom. Nuclear fusion is, and if you think about it, fission means separate, fusion means put together. So it's really easy to remember if you think about that. Nuclear fusion is how the sun works. Our problem here is creating that and making it powerful enough to then recreate itself. We have a hard time with. We can't get it to to become self-sustainable. And then once we do get it to be a little bit sustainable, it kind of dissipates because we can't keep it in a tight enough area. Whereas the sun has the gravity. The sun is this giant mass, and the gravity is what keeps all of this nuclear explosion in a, a tight little ball. 
Yeah. And then it just keeps happening. So the fuel keeps, I right. think it's hydrogen and oxygen keep combining together to make another molecule. I don't remember what the exact molecules are that make it. But, but, I, think, but I think where France is, is at is they took the steps to move towards in that direction. Towards, they're, they're, funneling, they're moving their funding back towards nuclear. Into, yeah, d developing into the fusion. So the actual fusion development is a worldwide, it's really cool how science works. Science, when you get to that, that extremeness mm -hmm. of it is almost non-national. Everybody sends great scientists. Everybody sends money. Everybody, everybody supports the development of the process. And it's like, there's all these different nations and all these different people from all these different nations working together. Now, realistically, when that becomes a, a, a real thing, like when, when, a, when a nuclear fusion reactor really becomes a, a, a possibility. Yeah. Um, will there be espionage? Will there be countries trying to tame it? A hundred percent because we're all human. Yeah. Right. But the actual development now, everybody is working together to try to create it. And that's awesome because that will be when we, when we are finally able to harness the power of nuclear fusion and create a nuclear fusion reactor that actually makes power, um, our world will change. Yeah. I just think that's what the media should be pumping out. But instead, we got everybody chasing, you know, all this electric green, and it's just it's not feasible. There's well, no plan. One of the one of the one of the parts that I think we're missing is is like, all right, let's say we figured out nuclear fusion today, right? When are we actually going to be able to to give up things like oil and coal? It would be 15 years from now, 25 years yeah. from now, 30 years from now, right? Right? But that's the plan. That's the realistic plan. What I think that we're ignoring is a lot of the same infrastructure will be used because it will be electricity. And so we're, by pushing electric cars, by pushing electric, yes, we are going to be burning more coal and more natural gas to make that, that electricity. Yeah. But it's forcing us to upgrade the grid it's forcing us to implement more electric cars more electric powered everything so it, it, we are it's it's forcing us to take steps that we nor that we would not take steps without so i do see the positive there it doesn't necessarily mean that it is sustainable right now but you got to take one step at a time and this is where it's the the federal's responsibility, the administration's responsibility to come out and say, this is our seven-year plan. Whether or not that this admin stays in place or not, but this is where we need to go. And so that people are aware because you have a bunch of, you know, and this leads on to what we're talking about, and you have a bunch of dopamine addicts that basically want everything ideal. They want everything to happen. They want all electric cars, all electric plugins, and they think it should have happened yesterday. Because if not, then, you know, you're a whatever-ist, racist, whatever, bigotist, whatnot. You're their enemy. You don't care about the earth and all that bullshit. So so have you ever, and this, this, this gets into um, one, of the, one of the tests to know if you are extremely dopamine dominant or if you are, and we'll get into dopamine right now. Like, yeah. I will break down dopamine more after I tell this little blurb, but there is chemicals in the brain that operate everything that we do dopamine is a it is a chemical of ex 
external or extra personal. So like if I think about right now what I want to eat for lunch, dopamine is causing me to think about what I want to eat for lunch and it's causing me to make a plan to get that because it's not right here, right? Whereas I have this this rock piss, Zoa, lemon, lime, not great, right here in front of me. Yeah. Dopamine is not has nothing to do with this because I have it, it's here. This is intrapersonal. I can take a drink of this right now. Dopamine, nothing. That is the here and now chemicals. That is things like serotonin, adrenaline, or, or epinephrine, depending on whether it's in, inside or outside the brain. Oxytocin, vasopressin, these are all here and now chemicals. So, to know if you are more dopamine dominated or more here and now chemical dominated, there's this, it, it's called the, uh, fuck, it's like way back in my notes. Um, it's called the trolley dilemma. Okay. So there's a trolley coming down a track and it's going to kill five people. You are standing right next to the track and you can push the innocent bystander right next to you onto the track and that will slow down the trolley enough to save five people. Can you do it? Or do you throw Can you physically in front of push it? or do you put, throw yourself in front of it? Yeah. Can you physically push someone? on and the way that the dilemma the way that the the way that the trolley dilemma works is you are not an option okay so that's a totally that would be a that would be totally different you it's either it's either you can physically think in your head about doing it and you can you could physically push someone your your own hand push someone onto the track to save five people one for five yeah. Most people can't. Most people yeah. can't. They just can't. Now, how we know that that's dopamine dominated is that the further we step back from that push, the less the less dopamine, the less um immediate process, the more the more the here and now chemicals, the more adrenaline, serotonin, epinephrine, the more stuff like that. So like if you could if you could throw a switch where it would turn the trolley down a different pathway that would only kill one person. Then could you do it? You're course, you're yeah. on the other end of the of the train car or the or the other end of the train station and you would just have to throw a switch. You don't have to physically actually push somebody. Yeah. So that's pulling you further away. That's getting you less less dopamine. Now, even further, if you were coding software that had cameras everywhere, right? And the software, you could code into the software that the switch would throw itself if it could save more lives than it would hurt. Then that is completely, there's no dopamine in that because you're not even in the situation. Right. You're just coding the software. This is all just just uh, processing. And so that's like, that's a big, if you could do it, that's the type of person that can hold their column under pressure that could throw the, the, the person under it that is not going to let adrenaline um, outweigh their decision. It's not going. So you think about it. We, th- we think about adrenaline and generally adrenaline is thought of like adrenaline pulled you through, right? Adrenaline right. got the, you know, so-and-so through, but adrenaline's adrenaline is, is, is stupid. Adrenaline has zero ability to reason. Adrenaline is what makes you, you know, think about jumping out of a, of, out of a car, that's going towards the edge of a bridge instead of reasoning that you could just hit the fucking brakes. Right. So adrenaline's really dumb. 
But there's so many people that are that are dopamine's in that dumb category too. Dopamine has dumb abilities, but the thing about dopamine is is dopamine has so don't think about dopamine as a neurotransmitter that only does one thing. Dopamine is like rocket fuel. And dopamine as rocket fuel could be pushed through thrusters, right? To push the rocket forward. Or it could be pushed through reverse thrusters to push the rocket backwards. Dopamine is self-regulating. So there's two different systems in our brain that dopamine goes through. There is the, oh, where is it? There's the mesolimbic pathway, which is the dopamine urge pathway. So this way is the dopamine causing you towards urges, sexual urges, gambling urges, food urges, whatever your behavior, whatever your urge is, right? Yeah. So this is the mesolimbic pathway. That's dopamine going through a thruster, through a rocket thruster to push a rocket forward. Okay. And then there's the opposite pathway, which is the mesocortical pathway. And this is a calculated planning pathway. This would be the reverse thruster. This is the, uh, should I have, should I sexually chase after this, whatever this thing is? Well, no, I shouldn't because, you know, I know that that I could lose my job for doing it, right? Or whatever. Yeah. That is the control pathway. So it's this push and pull that dopamine does both ways. Now, the, this isn't perfect for everybody. And that's where that's where issues with dopamine come in is some people are more urge driven, some people are more control driven. And it's a it's a a gray area from, you know, here to fucking Ireland. That's how big the gray area is on where you are at in that. And like everything in the brain, it's not that even that simple because you're somewhere on that uh, gray area or that, what would you call it? A spectrum. You're somewhere on that spectrum between control and urge, but then you're also somewhere on the spectrum between dopamine and here and now hormones or neurotransmitters. So it's like this big circle and somewhere in this big circle is where you lie. And if you are, completely dopamine driven, but it's all control dopamine driven, then you are the type of person that takes over a failing, flying company and you work your fucking ass off and you get the thing completely running and then you're bored out of your fucking mind and you have to move to something new. That is where that is. Whereas if you are the type of person that is completely dopamine urge driven, then you are constantly looking for that. Um, urge tick right you're constantly chasing you're the person that doom scrolls the person that has to sit on the couch and oh i gotta eat something and eat shitty yeah your your urges your urges rule you and dopamine does not just have to do with our our thoughts and our and our our urges and our control dopamine has to do with things like movement if you are if you are do- dopamine deficient, you get Parkinson's. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Dopamine. That Michael J. Fox. Parkinson's is a dopamine. T- Parkinson's is a dopaminergic disease. You do not create enough dopamine. Dopamine. But I mean, okay, if I'm looking at Michael J. Fox, I mean, his body is like, I mean, uncontrolled functions, right? That's dopamine. That's a that's lack of dopamine. So what I mean is it clogging the pathway between the brain and how simple even your I don't know function. function I don't know functionally I I don't think it has anything to do with 
the actual function functioning of the appendages. I think it's the electrical side in the brain that would make the appendages fire. Yeah. I believe is how it works. And I don't necessarily know the biomechanics behind that, but the, a treatment, a treatment drug for Parkinson's is a, is a thing called L-DOPA and L-DOPA is the precursor that our body makes that directly gets turned into after they add or our body either adds or takes away a carbon atom and it turns it into dopamine. That is what becomes dopamine in our body. Wow. So a lot of studying that we've done on dopamine and its extreme actions in our body comes from giving people with Parkinson's L-DOPA because five out of six people are completely fine with L-DOPA. They don't have a dopamine issue. Once they get enough dopamine in their body, it helps them with their Parkinson's. But one in six people have a real issue with the amount of dopamine that L-DOPA creates. And we've had people that have won lawsuits against the company that makes L-DOPA because they completely gambled their entire life away. They were never gamblers. They got Parkinson's. They got put on L-DOPA. And they ended up gambling their entire life savings, they sold their house, they sold everything that they wow. own, and they gambled it all away. Ultra impulsive. Ultra impulsive and ultra ultra urge driven. Or somebody that's sexually more more do- dopamine dominated. One guy, his wife had to quit her job because he needed to have sex four to five times a day. And if he wasn't, he was he was like coming on to women in his neighborhood or women in in his extended family or and he just he couldn't control it. And that's how powerful dopamine is, is it will completely change the personality of a person. So you're saying, I mean, so get away from sex. I mean, you're talking even food, alcohol. So, so the addictive behavior. You want to get into food. Here's one for you. Oh. Oh, yeah. ADHD is a dopamine disease. ADHD is a low control dopamine disease. So. People that have ADHD or ADD are 40% more, kids who have it are 40% more likely to be overweight, and somewhere between 60 and 70% of adults that have it are more likely to be overweight because ADHD causes a control or a reasoning issue. You are, you, you're unable to reason with your urges. Studies show that kids at 10 who had impulsivity problems because of dopamine, because of ADHD, gained more weight over the next two years than kids that did not have impulsivity issues. Over, they, they watched kids judge them by their overweight, the amount of that they would be overweight, whether they were you know, healthy, standard, or whether they were overweight. Overweight kids walked out into traffic drastically sooner when they were waiting for a crosswalk than kids that were completely healthy because they have impulsivity issues. Okay. So the, so the study that I looked at somewhat relates to that. So because I was looking, because it's very easy for me to look at dopamine and see it as a complete negative, but you know, the more, you know, we've talked about it and studied it, you know, in the human dashboard, right? We all got a dashboard. I got, I got one we're going to come back to for you after that, after that statement. You Uh-oh. go ahead. So, so to me, it's like looking at a gauge, right? So your oil pressure needs to be 
somewhere in between. It doesn't need to be one extreme or the other. Or you're not going to have oil or you're going to have too much oil pressure because you got too much in there. And dopamine seems to be this, you have to maintain a balanced state in the system. So when you're talking about ADHD and kids, so the study that I saw is a, you know, parents who, it's kind of like this, uh, the, the trophy culture, right? Everybody gets a trophy. Well, there's a lot of parents out there that for every tiny little thing a kid does or even doesn't do, it's the parent that's out there saying, oh, my kid's going to turn pro or every day, you know, they do one little thing and they have to, you know, reward them for a little thing. The problem is you, what you create is you create a, what they call a manic or basically a maniac is what it is, is, uh, they're just too ultra enthusiastic that that kid becomes almost like ADHD because everything that he, he does, he needs to have a reward, whether it's just, you know, taking a shit or just being who they are. They constantly need that reinforcement all the time where the proper way to do it, to balance out that gauge is to be more targeted. So, you know, then the kid understands that, Hey, I have to set some goals and those goals are where there's going to be a reward, whether for myself or whether the parent says, you know, gives me a pat on the back, like, you know, playing a violin, right? You're not going to reward the kid every day for practicing it, but you're going to reward the kid for a great performance at the recital or whatever you want to call it. But our, our growth versus fixed mindset would say that you want to reward the kid for the effort. So that that kid then develops the dopamine response towards effort towards any goal, not necessarily the outcome. But you don't have to reward the kid for practicing every day. It'd be like somebody working but out. But you would. Saying, but you would. A- but you would build. You would build their growth mindset faster the more you did. Not towards the outcome. I would say but towards the effort. I would say the method of practice. Because I would say, hey, you know, awesome. I tell my son, hey, that's you know, good. Good job. Get your practice done. Awesome. Let's see how that translates in your performance. But, but that's not what Carol Dweck would say. What's that? Carol Dweck would say that you want to directly reward the effort towards the goal, no matter what the outcome. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I might, and I'm, and I might be, I might be. I might be off on that one. It's been a minute since I've gone through that fixed fixed versus growth mindset. Now that I think about it, I think you can't reward false effort, but you have to make sure that you are focusing your reward on effort when it has positive outcome. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, for me as a, as a parent, and it would be it wouldn't be it wouldn't be good job on practicing your passing all week. It would be you don't say a fucking thing until a pass is completed, and you say. See, that practice that we did all week, it paid off. That would be what yeah. it is. So yeah, that's right. That would be for me. Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. So when you get to the recital, boom, hey, look at that. All that work that you did. Or if you fail or if it, you know, you made some mistakes, hey, let's go back and you know, do some self-inflection practice. The biggest thing not to do is to reward outcome instead of effort. Wow, you were so good at playing that instrument. No, that's that's where you really fuck them up. Oh yeah, is only rewarding because they do not put the reward in their brain. They do not build the dopamine circuits as to the effort that they put in to get there. They put it as to them being just purely talented, and yeah. then 
when they're not purely talented at something, it fucks them up completely. Oh, yeah. Absolutely so, seen that a lot. In response to your dopamine, you know, easy Uh-oh. to look at dopamine being just bad. Okay. Okay. Dopamine is the direct hormone that regulates the amount of tenacity or the amount of work that you are going to put in towards a goal. So they take mice, right? Or rats. And they, they, they have a little lever in their cage and they push this lever and they get this, this bio tab. And these bio tabs are like these little food tablets that are engineered to taste like amazing. Oh yeah. I heard of this one. Okay. Yep. So they take these, they take these mice and they have half of them are completely normal mice. The other half, they actually gave a neurotoxin to that suppresses their dopamine. Okay. So they put them in the cage. One lever tap gives one bio tab. Okay. No big deal. They're all the same. They all tap the lever about the same in a 30 minute study. Okay. But when we start to increase the amount of work or the amount of effort to get the reward, we take it up to four lever pulls to get one bio tab. The regular rodents average, we call these the control, they average about a thousand lever pulls in 30 minutes. Whereas the dopamine suppressed mice only average 600. And how are they suppressed? They are suppressed with a, with a neurotoxin that suppresses the parts of their brain that make dopamine. Yeah. So they are not willing to work any harder for the reward. They're just like, I'm going to put in the same amount of work no matter what. I'm going to get my reward, whatever that reward is. Okay. We up it to 16 lever pulls. So you got to pull that motherfucker 16 times to get one bio tab. The control group or the normal mice average 2,000 lever pulls in 30 minutes. Wow. So they doubled (laughs) their amount of lever pulls from the four times to the 16 times they doubled the amount of times they pulled this fucking lever. Right. Yeah. The control group or I mean the test group, the group that has their dopamine suppressed still 600. No more Do anymore. Nope. That sounds like human beings at work. We take it all the way up to 64 lever pulls. Take 64 times to get one bio tab. Yeah. The control group or the normal mice, they end up pulling the lever 2,500 times, almost one time a second. For the entire 30 minutes. Well. The group that has the dopamine suppressed. Actually pulls it less. They give up. They give up. They don't give up completely. But they, they pull it a, dra- a statistically amount less. Than 600. Oh yeah. So dopamine. Directly affects. The tenacity. Or the work. That you are willing to put in. To get a goal. Or to, to achieve something. Wow. So going back to diet then, because that's what it completely like mirrors is like, is it the people that give up after a diet gets tough? Is there some issue with their suppressed dopamine? Um, no, I don't think that there is an issue with the suppressed dopamine. I think that the dopamine hit from the food is more powerful for them. The immediate Urge dopamine is more powerful for them than the than the control circuit dopamine. Well, but it can be taught because so a big a big thing is 
um, a lot of diets will be engineered to have a, a, a bigger loss early on Yeah. to then you, to you build the urge or the control circuit around, oh, look it, I lost this much. And it, it kind of addicts you to the, the, the diet more than if it was a pound in the first week. Right. Which. But what needs the, to be, what needs to be, what needs to be taught more overall is control of the dopamine urge completely, not diet related, yeah. but completely you need to, we need to, we need to get people to weigh heavier on the control dopamine than the urge dopamine. And the way that we are, the way that we do that, the, the functional way to do that is for us to all put more emphasis on the planning and the long-term goal than on the immediate, which is exactly what we do. That's why our podcast works. That's why Joe Rogan's podcast works. That's why, you know, the constant barrage of, of healthier people trying to improve other people's lives. That's why it works because what that does is that that strengthens the control circuit, which then the only thing that can control dopamine is dopamine. If you don't have the control dopamine, the control circuit strength, you're fucked. Right. But you can train that. That's what I'm saying. So That's it, how this gets trained. Because the method is called cognitive therapy. CBT? Yeah. Yeah, CBT is used for a lot of different things. But. Which it's basically what it's doing is rewiring your mind to basically adopt new rules for the reward system in your brain. So it's facilitating learning, right? Yeah. And that example that would go back to food is, you know, so many people look at food as the immediate, like you said, the, the urge or the impulse is, gosh, when I'm hungry, I want something, you know, great to eat. And guess what? We live in... We live in the Midwest, and it's it's more than just Midwest. The easiest thing to do is what I can take a real quick trip to the fast food restaurant, get something really you know liquid flavor, right, really greasy and tasty, or I get some ice cream, or grab something easy that's got sugar, or I don't want to read the ingredients. You know that's the immediate gratification. Versus, guess what? There is a bigger reward than just tasting good. If you can rewire your brain to be like, and this is a proven study, if you can rewire your brain, because a lot of people that I talk to are like, yeah, but if I eat healthy, the food just doesn't taste as good, right? But if you start rewiring your brain to say that not only is this food that I'm eating now good for me, or it tastes good, it's good for me also. If you start telling rewiring your brain and rewiring your taste buds, then all of a sudden that food is going to be a lot more rewarding. And then you're going to add the long-term rewards of good health versus the quick urge hit of having that bag of fries, right? So, you know, that, that's what I got for, and that's part of that growth mindset approach. You know, it's good and good for you. Amplifies a better state versus, you know, just good tasting shit. We, we live in such a dopamine-dominated culture that I think the idea of trying to reduce our our quick hits of crack, our quick hits of dopamine crack, is a is also a big improver there. Not just re not just reprogramming the control circuit, but reducing the amount of input into the urge circuit, which I think I mean this makes perfect sense why 
teenage girls spend the most time on social media and teenage girls have the worst nicotine vape problems. Really? Yes. Did I know that? Worst yeah. nicotine vape problems? Yes. Yes. I thought vape was supposed to take care of some of that, the nicotine issues. Vape is supposed to be, and this is completely debated, and I have not looked into this to even tell you, yeah. but the idea behind vaping is that it's better for you than burning a bunch of chemicals in a cigarette because it's just straight nicotine. Well, but, but it's still a toxin. It's still nicotine. Yeah. And it still has the same dopaminergic hit as any other, you know, um, drug. So and then you add the social media component. So they're con they're they're constantly barraged with dopamine hits. Dopamine is like putting your hand in a bucket of water. If that water is burning fucking hot, you're not going to like it, right? Like it's going to scold you. Yeah. Whereas if it starts at room temperature and it slowly gets warmer and warmer and warmer and warmer, you're not going to notice it until it gets to a point where it's burning your fucking hands. That's what dopamine does. Dopamine is, is completely, um, the more you have of it, the less the next dopamine hit feels. You have constant barrages of food, constant barrages of social media. You're constantly at this elevated dopamine level. Then normal life just doesn't feel that good because you're used to living up here. You're used to being at a fucking eight. Yeah. So when you're at a five, just living normal life, you're shit. You feel, you feel like you are three less than where you should be. So they're constantly at this elevated dopamine level, and then they feel poor when they're not. So how to get that quick little hit back up to that eight? Hit that fucking vape pen. Well, so if I'm not sitting on social media, I got that vape pen. Yeah. So it's just a constant hit. Yeah. So if you were able to detox yourself from that and, and live at a four, that four will feel like the new eight. That's the same thing. We know it with food. You and I know it probably better than half the fucking people that are listening to this. When you eat completely clean, all of a sudden berries taste better. Yeah. Because you're living at a four and you're eating a six. A fucking a good juicy strawberry is a six, maybe a seven. Yeah. But it's not a fucking it's not crack. It's not a fucking donut. It's not ice cream. That's yeah. a ten. But if we're constantly living at an eight, a six is like this is bland ass shit. Yeah, that's the problem with dopamine is dopamine is never enough. It's the it's the it's the molecule of more. That's why the fucking that's why the book is called the molecule of more, because all it does is make you want more. It's never you're never there's, you're never able to achieve dopamine bliss or dopamine nirvana. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what they're calling it now is the real currency in America is not the dollar. The real currency is dopamine. and it, Dopamine is not lasting. It's you gotta ha you have to have a constant exchange. Well, it's it's not. That's not just now. It's always been that way. It's just we haven't had we haven't had the technology to spike that dopamine. We've had to sell drugs. We've had to sell sugar. We've had to sell yeah. soda. We've had to sell all this stuff. That's that's how you made money. You you you're still tripping people's dopamine. Why do you think sex sells? Because you're tripping their dopamine. Yeah. That's why sugar sells. That's why crack sells. Dopamine is the the neurotransmitter 
that makes you spend stupid money on stupid shit. Yeah. No, that's that's true. But it's also uh also heard it um in this yeah, like I said, my last marriage, I was married to somebody who was like a plan, 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 plan person, right? Always got a plan, an event, plan, event, plan, event, plan, event. And that in itself was is a dopamine issue because the plan wasn't for the goal. The plan was all the excitement of anticipation for the goal. But then when you hit, it's like going to vacation, right? People that plan for vacations all the time, it's the anticipation, the planning, the packing, that's all exciting. But all of a sudden you get on there, what happens? You go to Disney World. There's a lot of disappointment because, what, you're standing in line, car issues, travel issues, everything else. So, boom, you get done with that vacation, get your pictures done, you move on to the next plan. See, I'm much more dopamine dopamine urge dominated. That is a dopamine control circuit dominated person. That is the same. It's, it's, the, same, it's the same thing as the person that I said that takes over the, the catastrophic, catastrophic company and finds all of their pleasure in fixing it. But yeah. then once it's fixed, they're not even interested anymore. They have to move on to something. That's a dopamine control circuit dominated person. But then how is that person, same person is uh, um, not very goal oriented? They're just not. They're that's very, a totally different function of the same circuit. Which is weird because the person is very urge dominant too. Well, then they're very dopamine dominated, period. Yeah. Both circuits. So... A similar, a, a good example that, that I got out of the book between the dopamine versus the, the here and the now hormones, especially um, adrenaline or epinephrine is, uh, and this is a true story, a guy and one of his friends go out to sail his, his, his sailboat, right? Mm-hmm. And they get out a few miles and a, and a storm comes in and he's not nervous. He's done this for his, his whole life. Um, 35, you know, 40 mile an hour winds, 10 foot waves, nothing crazy. He goes to turn to come or to come about and go against the way, not against the waves, but with the waves to go back in, right? Yeah. And the steering wheel connection to the udder breaks. Rudder, the rudder, not the udder. The rudder, rudder breaks. Yeah. This goes from being completely into control to having no control. Within his rage of sight is a wave is going to take him into coral that is showing like above the water. So like this is complete, probably going to die. Yeah. That is the first thing that takes over is the adrenaline. The epinephrine in the brain takes over. And his first urge is to throw a life jacket on and jump and try to swim. Yeah. Right. First urge boats going to fucking crash. Jump off and swim. But what happens is, is the dopamine control circuit takes over, dopamine suppresses adrenaline, and that's when the planning starts happening. So they slowly figure out how to operate just on sail to get the boat turned around, and then they figure out how to steer the rudder with their feet. This is all dopamine-driven planning. This is the, this is the control circuit of dopamine. They make it back in, they park, they're walking into the hotel that they're staying at, and the thing with dopamine is, it fades. Yeah. When that fades, all that adrenaline that, that it suppressed is still there, his whole body starts shaking, and he starts just weeping, because the yeah. pressure from the adrenaline takes back over. Yeah. Even though he's safe, that adrenaline is still there, that has to dissipate, because it didn't go anywhere. The dopamine just suppressed all the adrenaline receptors. 
Yeah, and I think I understand where you're talking about in that type of planning because that planning is invoked where you have to put a process together and execute. Um, the planning that I'm talking about is, is there's people that have to keep themselves busy, whether it's always eating, whether it's always being on social media, having the post and getting likes and getting that dopamine fix. And there's people that will plan or always have to have a project, right? They just have to. They don't need to. But it's that the hormone of want is, is dopamine. So by planning, I mean uh, the, this person will plan, but it's planning within their comfort zone. It's just what they like to do, right? It's not like you're extending yourself by planning a vacation. But the, the same... But you need that pleasure of the vacation. But that same planning, mm-hmm. it's... It's the same mechanism. It's just healthy in some moments and unhealthy in other moments. Buzz Aldrin, right? Fighter pilots in general are 100% dopamine driven. Buzz Aldrin lands on the moon, okay? In a GQ interview, they're like, what were you feeling? He's like, oh, well, we weren't feeling anything. We had ice in our veins, right? Yeah. The same dude that fucking had the balls to go do that. That's dopamine 100% fueled, right? Ends up. Three marriages, alcoholism, and on d- does a stint in a in a psychiatric institute. Like that same dopamine drive back in real life, yeah, makes you completely unfunctional. So like it's the same it's the same method it's the same function in your brain. It's just when it becomes pathologic, it's it's negative. Versus in the moment, it's positive. So like you should be able to turn that on when you need it not have to be in it all the time. Have to be in it all the time. And that's what I'm talking about. So because same function in the what brain. you're saying is somebody that has to be in it all the time is what Peterson, Jordan Peterson describes as neurotic then. Because that's when you're now in the maniac mode and you're always having to constantly hit it with, with something where somebody that isn't in that neurotic phase sets their goals and then they execute, but they also have the the mindfulness um, or he calls it a mindfulness meditation, like we call it, right? Or have a lot of personal self-inflection, you know, inspect what they did and then boom, readjust their goals. There's a adaptation component to it that a lot of neurotic people do not have. And a lot of neurotic people end up in depression, unfortunately, because there's a lot of disappointment. Because if that dopamine runs out, what happens? They get depressed. Because dopamine always runs out. That's what we see with the that's what we see with the post nut syndrome, right? We talked about that, haha, joked about it, but we also see it with uh I mean, how many relationships have you been in where you want this person so bad and then once you've had them for a while, you're like, What the fuck? Right? So dopamine is the is the driving hormone or driving neurotransmitter to get something you don't have. It's the driving neurotransmitter to, 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 to acquire that person, to win that person over. Yeah. But then what the needs, thing, right? What? Or the thing. Yeah. Whatever the, the thing is. Yeah. But people, so right? if, if we use it in a love, if we use it in a love ceremony, yeah. dopamine is always the initial driver of a relationship. Always constantly, no matter what it is dopamine. There is no other neurotransmitter that drives you into any sort of sexual or emotional relationship. Yeah. What happens in a, in a healthy relationship is that dopamine fades and the here and the now hormones take over. So in men, the love hormone is generally vasopressin. In women, it's oxytocin. And these hormones come from 
admiration from that person actually being somebody that you look up to, someone that you respect, someone that you you could see being your best friend, right? So that the the dopamine fades and the here and the now hormones pick up where that left off. Yeah. Where that doesn't happen is when the dopamine drove you to be with a person that whose real traits and real personality does not have any of the traits that you need or, or enough of the traits that you need in them to have that respect and have that admiration. And this is that transition is partially is partially the fault of the person who is making the transition. So you as the male, it would partially be your fault at not being good at making that transmission at that transition. It's partially your fault for allowing your dopamine urges to get you that far with someone that doesn't have those traits, but it's also partially on the person that doesn't have the traits. Like that's not their fault. It's just fuck. It's not everybody's perfect for each other. They're just not. Yeah. And not every person that your dopamine drives you to be with is going to have the right traits to, to, to evolve into that organic here and now oxytocin, vasopressin, serotonin driven long-term love. It's, it's the chaotic, it's the chaotic lovers that once they're together for, for four or five months, fall out of love and then come back months later and they're fucking back into it again. And then it's this, they're both dopamine driven. And then when they're actually together, they realize that they don't even like each other that much and they fall apart and then they forget about it and they come back. Well, I know in knowing you, so the lesson, knowing you. I know where this has happened in your, in your previous marriage is you were dopamine driven to get with somebody that made you, that forced you to ignore personality traits that normally would have been red flags. You got into that relationship, the dopamine drive faded. And then all of a sudden, all of the things that you would need that to really respect someone and, and, and holy shit, look at them and be really proud to have them in your life. That wasn't there. And so yeah. you couldn't transition. The substance, yeah. The substance. So the whole goal is, I mean, it goes back to, I mean, for our listeners, is that, that personal dashboard, right? So and that gauge of dopamine, we need to find where that oil pressure needs to sit, where that dopamine level needs to sit. So how do you do that? First of all, you don't get married and you don't knock somebody up. Until you fucking have made it through the transition. Biggest thing. So how, how does every, how do our listeners do this now every day? Every day? Their everyday life and according to the squared away principles, right? Spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally. You are, you're never going to control your dopamine urges. You can try to get, you can improve it, but you're never going to have complete control. Which is basically. So how, first how of all, knowing, first of all, knowing that. Yeah. Knowing that you will never have control of your dopamine urges, it's the type of things that we talk about with not having the shit food in the house. Because your dopamine urges, it takes a lot to get in your fucking car and drive to the grocery store to get a pint of Ben and Jerry's. It does not take a lot to get off your couch and walk to the fucking freezer and pull a pint of Ben and Jerry's out, right? Yeah. So engineering our lives around our, our known dopamine crutches, right? If you're someone who is constantly urged to pick up women or to pick up men. We are not going to get into a long-term relationship situation 
with someone until we've transitioned from dopamine to the here and the now hormones, right? You're never going to control those hormones. You're not going to control those dopamine urges, but we're not going to fucking, we're not going to marry anybody. We're not going to have kids. We're not going to move in together. We're not going to get joint finances until we've evolved into what long-term love should look like. Some things you could do to help that would be, I mean, realistically, like what if you did a fucking Venn diagram, right? Of the person that you're currently talking to, like, what are their, what are their positive traits? What if you had an idea of positive? I know this is fucking way past Americans, but what if you had an idea of the traits that you wanted in a spouse and those were written down and then we checked off whether the certain person <laughs> that you are, that you are courting currently oh, it's no, it's has no, those. It's not what the online apps do. <laughs> it does, but it, I, I don't know. I, it's been so fucking long since I've even know, looked at any of those. That's what they told me is like the match.com and eHarmony, you go through like all these questionnaires. Or not questionnaires, but I think they build a checklist or something. I would have my own fucking checklist. I can tell you that much. Yeah. I would have my own fucking checklist. <laughs> um, but the problem is people on those things can pretend that's, and that's the they thing. want. That's the thing. Whereas if you're talking to somebody for a month, they're, you're, you're going to know. Yeah. You're going to know whether they have some of these traits or enough of these traits. How many do they need? Or for I don't me, it's seeing know. how they behave in a different environment outside of their comfort zone. If they'd even do get out of their comfort zone. First of all, do they get out of their comfort zone? Exactly. That would be that would be number one on a fucking list, <laughs> exactly, yeah. right? But how to engineer? I mean, you if you are aware of these things, being able to engineer your life so that they do not have any. I had this conversation with my fucking with my eight year old, my nine year old today. No babies, no felonies, no weddings till you're like twenty seven. Twenty seven. Yes, that's when your prefrontal cortex is finally formed and you can uh, and you have reasoning abilities. What if she gets married and they decide to have a kid in the first year and a half? No, no weddings. We said that. <laughs> that was the first check thing off. Oh, no, you can no, date. No weddings? No. Oh. Weddings is negotiable. If you guys are together for 4 or 5 years and it's and you're 24, we're good. Right, if so you're, how'd she take this? I what? want to know what the response. She actually, she, she, I don't even know how the conversation came up. Yes, she asked did about she give it. The yes she band? asked about it. Like she asked something. Oh, okay. I don't even know how the conversation came up. But these are things like have some fucking guidelines for yourself. Have some guidelines for yourself. Yeah. I'm not going standards. to, yeah. you know, some standards. I'm not going to court someone that doesn't have a list of personality traits that I will deem admirable doesn't have some substance first of all Damn. you're gonna have to figure out what personality traits you deem admirable right like we know we both know a guy who's literally their looks are their only personality trait that he deems admirable until he gets past the fucking dopamine stage and then it's like oh wait she's hot but she's also manipulative and crazy and wants me for my money oh fuck i did it again disaster right yeah like these are things like be conscious of your fucking surroundings. Be conscious of, of what you're doing. Be, and don't be scared to be like, <laughs> if you are very dopamine urge driven and you love the, the accompaniment of the opposite sex or even the same sex, whatever, then you need to, you need to grow and you need to learn to be, to, to be like, okay, I like being with you physically, 
Um, but this isn't really like, this isn't something I'm looking for long term. Leave that on the table. If we both yeah. want to have a fling for, for a night or for a week or for a month, but we both know that this isn't something that we're, we're not planning a long-term future together. Right. If you are that type of dopamine driven person. Well, I think it really goes back to, I mean, when you talk about mindfulness meditation or have a lot of self-inflection. I think I talked to somebody this week who asked me about, you know, how do you get, you know, spiritually, emotionally or between spiritually, emotionally squared away. And it's just like, you have to take the time, whether it's telling yourself three times a day to do a lot of self-inflection on, on how you act and how you think or how you respond in a situation, you know, that's what you got to do. And, you know, if that's the way to keep, you know, self-checking yourself so that you can set up, you know, some standards or really evaluate your situations because, uh, you know, when you make errors, when you make errors in life, it doesn't mean that you have bad quality traits. It's nine times out of 10, it's just the state of the situation. And I think people get too hung up on, you know, well, when I fail, but let me tell you something to get squared away. You have to fail a lot and learn from those failures. That's the key. Because if you just keep failing, if you keep sucking down the pint of Ben and Jerry's and keep telling yourself that it's like, I know, well, well, I can, I can do it tomorrow or I can do, I, I'll get my diet on Monday in January. Before you know it, you're going to be 300 pounds out of shape and health issues up the wazoo and, uh, you know, not helping yourself and just filling that dopamine gauge to where you're redlining. So you know, have some, you know, good, intense introspection in your life. I knew we needed to start this one earlier. We're at an hour 20 already. Oh, really? Holy yeah. Crap. I was like, I, I knew that we needed to get into this dopamine fucking talk way quicker than we did, but eh, it'll be a long one. I think we covered as much as we're going to cover. Just being aware of these things, being aware of how they operate, being aware of your urges is going to get, and then it's going to give you the building blocks to engineer your life around those things. Right? Yeah. So conscious thought, self-reflection, plan, put the plan into action. Yeah. Cool? Cool. That's a wrap. 